the ladies working dog group. Are you feeling stuck with your gun dog training? Trust me you're not alone and that's exactly why you need to be here. Every week we're bringing you the best tips and hacks to make training your gun dog easy peasy. We'll keep it straightforward, no fuss, just actionable guidance that you can put straight to use. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of Founded Special. Joining me for this week's episode LWDG Mindset Coach Emma Nadell. How are we today Emma? I'm doing really good and I'm looking forward to quite an in-depth discussion about dog's purposes and what makes a gun dog a gun dog. Fabulous. This week it comes around from conversations that we've been having in the group like, is your, go- is your dog really a gun dog if it doesn't go out on a shoot? And, you know, we can see from the, we did a poll, we can see from the feedback that like 40% of our Women will never take their dogs on shoots or they haven't taken their dogs on shoots yet. And then the rest have taken their dogs on shoots. And that doesn't mean they'll continue to take them on shoots. There seems to be this sort of like, not divide, but there seems to be an equality of dogs that will and the dogs that won't. So it's it's not just sort of like most dogs go out and do it, is it? No. And I think, I think it's such an interesting term when we talk about the term gun dog. Like what makes my dog a gun dog? Is it the classification of its breed? Um, because it would fit into the gun dog category if I took it to crafts. Is it about what my dog does as a job? Um, how does that work? You know, because we have uh, non-gun dog breed dogs that work and work on sheets. I've seen German Shepherds work on a sheep. I've seen mixed breeds. I've seen Collies work on a sheep. So then would they be a gun dog? Um, and I think it's also about our expectations that if we go out and choose to buy a gun dog breed, what are our expectations for that versus the reality of what the dog can do? The sort of expectations versus reality. Often we sort of come into gun dog ownership um, with certain expectations that we How do you think these expectations generally like align or differ from the reality of, of living with a gun dog and how their traits will impact on, on how we behave around them? And I think that it's, it's so different because it's how did we end up with that dog? So it's whether um, potentially some um, of the women in this group, I'm trying to think about people's experiences, have ended up with the dog because it was a family pet and they decided actually, or maybe another member of the family wanted to work it and it, and that hasn't come about. So it's kind of fallen on their shoulders to work the dog. Um, it might be um, that it's a popular breed at the moment. We know that the working Cocker Spaniel is quite a popular dog to own. And people then get the dog and go, oh, gosh, it's a very demanding dog. I should be doing something with it. And then kind of come into kind of gun dog work or pet gun dog work from that. It might be that it's a rescue. Uh, Like, for example, people know my story into gun dogs. My first gun dog was a rescue. Um, And I got him specifically because I wanted to work him with a hawk, a bird of prey. And it's quite common to work birds over pointers. So that's how I ended up with my HPR uh, cross Labrador. Um, and although and that didn't work out. So again, I had this expectation of of this dog and what I would do with it. Um, and and that didn't happen. That wasn't my dog's purpose. So I think we can come into owning a gun dog breed in a huge variety of ways. I think it's it's very individual to that person or that dog, really. And this sort of like 
the different routes we come into it and the different breeds we can sort of have, there are several breeds that sort of come under this sort of like gen dog category. You know, what are the sort of unique traits do you think that makes um, a gen dog a gen dog other than a breed name? I think it's about what it can do. You know, we've, we've kind of got our three most common types. So we've kind of got our Spaniels, which are generally for hunting and beating. Then we've got our Labradors, which are generally you're picking up dogs and your Retrievers. So, and again, you don't see many kind of Golden Retrievers, flat-coated Retrievers out in the field, but that's what they're bred to do. We've got we've got your Poodle breeds as well. They're, they're hunting breeds. Um, and then you've got your HPRs, which obviously I'm massively passionate about. And anyone knows, he's known me for more than 10 minutes, knows that I bang on about HPRs quite a lot. And that kind of multi-purpose aspect of them, but again, suited to a very different environment. And we know that, you know, Lucy Hall talks about that in kind of great details about, about the world of HPRs. So they're, they're all different breeds. And, and traditionally, they're used for each of those purposes. But but we've kind of got crossbreeds coming in. I own two crossbreeds. We've kind of got your Springadors. You've kind of got all your other kind of your Sprockers. All those other breeds that are coming in have their own different temperaments. And then you've got other dogs that just naturally suit that kind of work. Like I said, when you see German Shepherds pick up on a, on a shoot, it's great to see. Or you see a Collie or Collie Cross or something like that. So Again, I think it's about what the, what each dog is capable of. And I know the experts talk very much about work with the dog in front of you. And it's what that dog is capable of doing. And yes, we have to take into account its breed, but it's about what that dog is capable of. Do you think that like we talked on a previous podcast about how people perceive themselves coming into the sport? Do you think it's how people perceive their dogs coming into the sport as well? Like, you know, is there this idea that, oh, my God, if I've got a gun dog, I must ultimately end up standing in a field somewhere with a gun? Yeah, I think that's sometimes uh, a bit of an expectation that we have that it's a journey we're going to go on. And for some people, when they get that dog, that is ultimately their goal. You know, they get that dog and they've always wanted to do that. And that, that dog is a pathway to that. For some people, it's absolutely not. They'd never thought they would go on a shoot and some of them go on to love doing it and for some people that's just not for them because ethically it's not something they they feel comfortable with or potentially they don't even have access to it it's not something that that is is locally around them for them to kind of come forward to um or they just feel uncomfortable with it there's a lot of people that that don't feel comfortable handling kind of game or anything else like that and that's okay they shouldn't be um excluded from that community when their dog absolutely loves hunting loves retrieving loves every other aspect of kind of that that dog's purpose what that dog is is bred to do and enjoy just because they're not standing or on a beating line or they're not standing behind a gun ready to pick up yeah because i fully agree with you like a gun dog isn't made a gun dog by being standing anywhere near a gun it, a gun dog just is a dog that enjoys doing the things a gun dog would have traditionally done yeah I agree. And I think, you know, again, it's about our expectations. And 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 I know I've mentioned Fudge a lot of times. I feel like the whole community is getting to know my dogs through this, but it's the best way of explaining it. So obviously Fudge was supposed to be worked with my hawk. Within about two days, we worked out quite quickly. My hawk absolutely hated him, although Fudge was massively ambivalent about the bird. And that was it. His purpose, the reason I got him, apart from him being a rescue, was gone. And so I was like, well, now what do I do with him? So then I was like, okay, do you know what? He's a Labrador um, 
GSP, German Shorthair Pointer Cross, we could try working him as a gun dog. He was very aggressive towards Labradors, an issue that unfortunately we really struggled to get past with him. So that was his gun dog career over. So at that point, is he no longer a gun dog? Because he's a cross of two gun dog breeds. Um, and absolutely, he loves retrieving. So even at 11 years old, I'll take him out to a field, I'll throw out dummies, and he absolutely loves it. He loves hunting, he loves scent work, and he loves retrieving. So he loves doing things that gun dogs do, just not in a live gun dog scenario, so to speak. So does that make him not a gun dog? He's still fulfilling his purpose. He's still doing something he really enjoys. So it's about where we draw that line. And this is, I suppose, the important part, isn't it? Because we need to fulfill our dogs' needs, their emotions, and they have to be like happy and thriving and content and all those things. And that's, I think, the line of whether we're fulfilling our dog and, and our dog's purpose is whether they are displaying to us that we are meeting that criteria. Absolutely. And I think their breed is just part of that. And obviously, because the majority of the dogs we own are our gun dog type breeds, that leads us into that kind of gun dog type of work. Um, but sometimes we've got to understand that our expectations for that dog and the reality of what our dog can do is different. And that's kind of a decision that I'm faced with at the moment with my youngest backup puppy, as we refer to him, Scout. Um, because actually, again, he's another he's another Labrador cross HPR. He likes ranging far away. That is bred into him. And yet I wanted to use him as a beating dog. And am I going against his natural inbred tendency? And am I asking something of him that isn't going to fulfill him because he likes to range at long distances? So again, I've got I've got to come to that decision with myself, that, own, that my own ethical decision about am I going to try and conform my dog into something that naturally he may not enjoy doing. And we sometimes see that with dogs where they go, they far enjoy picking up, they don't like beating or they love beating and they don't like picking up. And often we want to have a dog that does it all. And that's our expectation, but that might not be the reality. Now I need to come to that decision at some point, depending on how Scout's training goes, because he's only two. So there's still kind of a long way to go with him. But I also made the decision to fulfill his needs. I also man trail him. And he absolutely loves that. And a really good example that I'll say is, is one of the people, so my man training instructor, she's got two lovely, beautiful liver German shorthair pointers as well. She's a big HPR fan. She doesn't do any gun dog work with them. One is a retired operational search and rescue dog and the other's being trained up to be a search and rescue dog. So are they not gun dogs? They're gun dog breeds. They're like KC registered gun dog breeds, but they're used as search and rescue dogs. Um, and actually, if you see them, they're both absolutely fulfilling their purpose, which is hunting hunting using their nose and finding things and getting a reward for it so I think we have to think a little bit bigger about what our expectations are for our dogs what our dog's capability is what their breed is and what they're bred to do and where that all kind of it's like a Venn diagram and where that sweet spot is in the middle where we're fulfilled as owners but also our dogs are fulfilled in the purpose that they really enjoy doing which might not necessarily be our expectation in the first place when it came to like name in the group like we started out with the women's and beaters pickers up group as a facebook group and very quickly changed that because of the type of men we were uh, bringing to the group uh, which we really didn't want but like when i called it the ladies working dog group and um, i don't think there was a lot of people then at that time where they were referring them to them so much as working dogs we were talking very much about gun dogs um 
than dogs who worked, but maybe not so much working dogs. And now I look at it and I think, I'm really glad I said working dogs because the dogs that are doing scent work are working dogs and the dogs that are doing man trailing are working dogs and the canny crop dogs are working dogs and, you know, the collies are working dogs and all these dogs, if they're doing something with you, they're working with you, as far as I'm concerned, they are they are doing or meeting their purpose if they have a love for it, aren't they? Yeah, and I think that that's the core of it for me is that our dogs generally want to have a purpose. They want to do something. And whether that's an agility dog, whether that's a scent dog, um, and we've got we've got working dogs out there in the community that do amazing things. We've got bat detection dogs, and we've got dogs that can sense whether people are going to have a fit. Um, we've got dogs that serve a fantastic purpose, you know, and that's not even including kind of our police dogs, our military dogs, and all those other things. I think it's really important about what is that dog's purpose going to be? Is it an emotional support dog? Is it there as a scent dog? And and it doesn't mean that we have to literally give it a job to do. They don't all have to be employed, but they have to have a purpose. You know, even at work, we've got um, well-being dogs within policing that go in and spend time with, with serving officers and staff. Um, and people get a lot of comfort from that. People open up when they're around dogs. You know, they are they are so fantastic for boosting serotonin. And, and so dogs, by being around, by default for me, have a purpose. But we have dogs, most of us own dogs that are bred to do very specific things, whether that is, whether that's kind of a gun dog, whether that's a herding dog, whether that's a, a dog that kind of is a guarding breed, whatever that is, they have an innate purpose. And I think that's what makes it beautiful, that when we can harness that in a positive way, so the dog is fulfilled and we as the owner get to be part of that to build a really special bond with that dog. That's what's really beautiful. I think that's what, what makes that relationship so special. I suppose there is confusion though with the word working in the fact that does my dog get paid to do this job? And like, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure, like as we've discussed in some other podcasts over the last couple of weeks, I've really been reviewing the vocabulary I use because... I want people to see the group as it is and sometimes maybe just just through lack of sheer appreciation of how other people might view that like your dog doesn't have to have a pay slip to be part of our group does it no my dogs my dogs don't get anything like they just get lots of love from me they don't work for anything um but in a way I say that and I'm about to say something that's completely opposite our dogs do work because we train our dogs and they work for rewards um, and whether that reward is a dummy, whether that reward is a good lad, whether that reward is a food reward, whether that reward is play, they are. we are expecting our dogs to work for something. So, for example, if I take Scout out man trailing, um, he does scent work to find somebody and his reward at the end is either food or he gets to play tug. So he has worked for that reward. No, he hasn't had a payslip, but that doesn't mean he hasn't worked. Um, that's like saying to mothers, because you don't have a payslip, it's not a job raising your children when we know it absolutely is. It's a massive job. Um, and, and actually, we don't get paid anywhere near enough about what that would look like because there's no nine to five. It's all of the time. So if we if we relate that to our dogs, our dogs, if we are doing any training with them, are working because we're asking them to think about their brain. We're giving them a set criteria, an expectation of what we want them to do. Even if it's that, I'd like you to put your bum on the floor for five seconds, please. 
or actually I'd like you to do a really complex ladder retrieve, whatever that is, they are having to work to a set criteria to get a hopefully a positive outcome, whether that's play, whether that's touch, whether that's a food reward. So purely by training our dogs, they're working dogs. So we've hopefully blown to pieces the concept of like what you can refer as a gun dog or a hunting dog. I suppose a hunting dog is more, um, not clear boundaries, but a hunting dog is hunting for something. So we know that it is at some point looking for something. And like in um, America, they say a bird dog. So you would you would reference that, that dog is somehow working with birds. And I suppose with gun dogs, we say, well, I'm referencing this somewhere that that dog is working with guns. But they are all um, probably names we gave things in a far different time. They may apply now, but in most people's dogs, like if I was to give my dog all the labels done, be like, well, okay, so it's like a, a working gun, emotional pet dog. Do you know what I mean? There's like all these labels that you could attach them, like we attach to humans. Yeah, absolutely. And and then we can blow it apart even further when we talk about hunting dogs, because we haven't even touched on tracking dogs. We haven't even touched on the dogs that, that do scent work for, for kind of stalking if a deer is run off to try and track them. So there are so many jobs out there for our dogs. And exactly like you, I don't think there's one label that fits all. You know, I, I laugh that my jokes are, my dogs are already conflicted because they're HPR and, and with a double dose of retriever. But they're also pet dogs. They're also scent dogs. They're also one of the man trails. They're also gun dogs. They're also pet gun dogs because actually the time, the amount of time I'd, I would work them on a sheet would be exceedingly low compared to someone who who is maybe um, a gamekeeper and has their dogs purely as working dogs. So I suppose part of it is also why can't our dog have many labels? Why can't my dog be all of those? Like if he, we know that dogs can absolutely differentiate very quickly between different roles. My dog knows instantly when he's a pet dog when he's in the home and he's just kind of lolling around on the sofa to when I'm picking up my whistle and I've got my dummy bag and he's like oh we're gonna go do stuff this is gonna be awesome fun to when I get out the man trailing harness and he's like oh I need to concentrate on that because I'm doing scent work like he can differentiate between all of those things so why can't we see our dogs in a broader category than he's a gun dog like my my dog is a gun dog breed he's a cross of two gun dog breeds but that's not all that he is it's like it's like us we don't label ourselves into one pigeonhole I don't go well actually I'm a therapist yeah I'm a therapist but I'm also a friend I'm also a dog trainer I'm also a daughter I'm all like I can have multiple labels and I can perform multiple roles so I don't think we need to necessarily go my dog has to be x y and z to fit into that label of gun dog I suppose from where this sort of conversation started as well, for us within the ladies working dog group, your dog may never go on a shoot. It may never uh, get paid for its job. It may never retrieve. It may only do a section of something. But if it's working with you in this sort of human dog bond, I suppose that's another way we can identify what a working dog is. Does it do anything with the handler as a team to mutually benefit both yeah and I think it, it goes back to that idea of am I giving my dog a job to do am I giving it a set criteria and a set outcome and is it performing that and is that going to be of benefit if so then it's probably a working dog um and yes some people could say well oh yes but 
actually my criteria might be that I take my dog for a, a walk on the beach on a Sunday afternoon and I'm expecting it to not run off and stay to heal or whatever else. It's still working. It's still working for something. And although we may not classify that as a working dog, in that moment, that dog is still working for something. So I think we need to move away from this idea of, of our dogs having a set purpose. Um, and the idea of a gun dog, I keep going back to it, is it's such a broad classification. Like, is it is it a gun dog because it's a gun dog breed? And if I took it to Crufts, it would be in that in that classification. Well, my dog isn't Casey registered, so it can't go. So how does that work then? Is it only a gun dog if it's on a sheet? Is it only a gun dog if it picks up a dummy? Because that's the closest thing that I've got to um, game. You know, where does it end? Where does it start? And I suppose for me, the big question is, does it matter? Does it genuinely matter? Are you having fun with your dog? Does your dog feel like it's got a purpose in that moment where it's doing something really cool with you to build a better bond and for you to work together to do something enjoyable? That's really all we care about, really, in the ladies working dog group, don't we? We don't we don't care whether you're like we'll celebrate it if your dog is a field trial champion. Absolutely. We'll celebrate it because that's a fantastic thing to do. We'll also celebrate it when it's done its first retrieve on a sheet. We'll also celebrate it the first time your six month old puppy picks up a pair of socks as a dummy. Like they're all equally as important. It's all it's all part of that journey of that relationship you have with your dog. And I think fundamentally working dog or not, or however you want to classify it, that's what we're celebrating, isn't it? The fact that you want to have a deep relationship with your dog. You want to do something meaningful with it. And no matter what that looks like, that's important to us. Fantastic. Thank you for another amazing podcast, Em. Um, I hope you've all enjoyed listening. Please like, subscribe, follow, tell other people, tell us what you think. Go to the website www.ladiesworkingdoggroup.com forward slash free content. You'll find there this podcast um, alongside its related blog. Plus, you'll find there ways of sending us your thoughts, your um, information so that we can uh, keep the conversation going let's just keep on learning and, and laughing and enjoying this you know it doesn't need to be serious it needs to be fun and remember it doesn't matter what dog you have or what you do with that dog what matters is that you're both enjoying it you stay tuned and keep unleashing the potential of your dog that's it for today's episode a massive thank you for tuning in don't forget to head over to the lwdg and sign up for our membership Get access to expert-led training, a wonderfully supportive community, and the resources you need to become a confident and skilled gun dog trainer. Let's take this journey together, because no woman should have to train her gun dog alone. We'll see you all next week.